love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. This week, I just want to I just want to interview interview you, Lee, if that's okay. Um, uh, why first of all, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the ministry that you're that you're in, that you're leading, and kind of what you do in terms of helping folks who've got sexual addictions or same-sex attraction issues. Okay, uh, our ministry is Shadow of His Wings Ministry. Uh, we have a website at www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com. Uh, we work with not only uh, men and women who have same-sex attraction, but also uh, men and women who've struggled with sexual abuse issues or uh, any kind of sexual trauma, sexual addictions, or uh, even some folks we've worked with have had uh, satanic ritual abuse. Mm. And uh, so we uh, would kind of cover the whole range there. Great. Well, I just want to go through a few questions with you because, um, you know, I think there is there is a, a little bit of a uniqueness uh, to same-sex attraction versus maybe somebody who's involved in heterosexual pornography or heterosexual affairs. And uh, you mentioned in the last broadcast that identity plays a big role in in a person maybe getting involved in uh, the, the confusion that can be associated with same-sex attraction. Could you maybe expand on that? What do you, When you see a person come to you for help who's maybe had a years-long problem with um, same-sex attraction. In every case, is is there um, an issue of identity in that, that, that there's a problem with them identifying maybe with, uh, identifying their sexuality with their same gender, or or is it not the case in some cases? I think most of the time it is the case. I have seen very few, and I, I can't think of a single case at this point that I have seen where identity hasn't been the, the issue. Uh, I think, yes, there may be uh, boys and or girls who've grown up in different ways and may not have the over-connection with mom or the under-connection with dad to the same degree. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately what you see is that, that that connection, that identity, who they see themselves to be, who the kind of reactions they've gotten about their manhood or their boyhood. Mm-hmm. I think those kinds of things uh, play a big part in that. I think also sexual abuse has played a, lar- a large part in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the guys that I work with 
have and and uh, women have been sexually abused at some point. Sometimes they don't even see it as sexual abuse. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was, you know, a cousin who was 14 and they're 11 and they have their first masturbation experience with this guy, with their cousin, mm-hmm. and it starts up this whole this whole thing. But I still think there is a there's a, a chink in the armor, so to speak, already in their issue of identity that kind of creates a place for this thing to sit. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have somebody come to you for help, what do you think? What is the most important message that you want to communicate right off the bat to somebody who is, uh, you know, have the courage enough to finally say, "Hey, I, I got a problem. Can you help?" What's the most important message you want to communicate to that person? That God loves you just the way you are. He just doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to find his best. And that may be right away. It may take you a while to get there. But that he loves you just the way you are. That he doesn't look at you in shame. That he doesn't look at you with, uh, uh, I guess, angry eyes. He looks at you still with loving eyes and says, you know what, I see where you're at. Uh, just because this has been something that's in your in your life right now, it doesn't make you who you are. Now, do you think that's a risky uh, a risky message to send, considering that that there are so many in the Christian community who ostracize and alienate and push away homosexuals? Most definitely, I think it's easier to be on the other side and say that God hates the homosexual. Uh, he may hate all sin, which I believe that he does. But he loves each person exactly where they're at, and he knows where they've come from. And he's seen their pain, and he's seen their hurt, and he loves them right where they're at. Do you think a lot of folks who who push away those who struggle with homosexuality are doing so mainly out of their ignorance? I think it's ignorance. I think it's also fear. Uh, the homosexual movement is a big movement right now, and I think people get afraid of it. I think they think... Uh, it's a lot like uh, all sin. If we can just point out the sin, then all of a sudden somebody will stop. But when you have something like homosexual attraction, same-sex attraction, when you tell somebody you need to stop, they're saying, wait a minute, how do I stop being who I am? Mm. And that's what I mean by the identity issue. They believe it's not just an action I'm doing. They believe it's truly who they are. So how do you... That to me sounds like an almost insurmountable obstacle to change. How do you help a person, I guess, find their true identity? I mean, how do you help that person who they look you in the eye and and say, but this is who I am? How how can you, first of all, convince them that that may not be who they are? And then how do you get them to a place where they, they maybe see themselves as somebody completely different? Well, I think, Jonathan, it starts with working with the symptoms rather than the problem. Uh, Most of the time, most of these folks, and I I speak generally, most specifically I speak to men because that's the area that I generally work with is men, but also with women. I think most of the time, especially with most of the guys I've worked with, they've never had a male who loved and cared about them that didn't want sexual activity Mm -hmm. of some sort. Now, they may have had a dad or they may have had an uncle that, you know, they that were supposed to be in that position. But I think, first of all, if they could just have somebody who says, we love you just the way you are. We don't care what you do right now. We don't care what sin you're in right now. We just love you for who you are. 
that begins to whittle away at that identity issue of nobody's really going to care about me, even my own dad or my own uncle, or I'm not a man, or I'm not capable of being loved for who I am. Now, some of what you're saying, though, sounds to me like what the gay community is telling them. We love you just the way you are. So what is the difference between maybe the message you're sending them and the message they're already getting from the gay community? I think that's an excellent point. I think the gay community says, we love you just the way you are, and we accept you as part of our gay family, and this is who you are. The difference there is we love you just the way you are, and God loves you just the way you are, but he has something better for you. Mm. Are you interested in finding that? And I guess also wouldn't part of that be the fact that within the gay community, maybe they have not felt um, total acceptance because there have been strings attached. It's about sexual experimentation, and it's about uh, multiple partners, and it's about unfaithfulness, and it's all these things that may go along with within the gay community. And so uh, could that also be a difference in the message you're sending is we don't have an agenda in terms of using you. Um, we when we say we love you just the way you are, we're not doing that so that we can somehow trick you into some sort of sexual relationship. Or uh, does that make any sense? Sure, or? sure. There are many strings attached in the gay community, and I, and yes, I think if we come across, and truly as the church, if we can come across as truly not having any strings attached, including mm-hmm. the string that says we love you just the way you are. Oh, but you need to stop doing this now. Mm-hmm. Because that's even a string that gay gay people have come into the church and said, "I want to do this. I want to. I want to see what this is about." Oh, but you must leave your sin at the door. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us leave our sin at the door. I think we all bring some level of sin into the church, and I think that's what the church is there for: is not to to have whitewashed people coming in, but to have people who are already broken to see Jesus. And if mm-hmm. you can't see him, then you can't heal. And I think that's what we need in the church. And I think you're right. I think that's something the gay community doesn't offer. Well, it's, and it sounds to me like this is this is going to be a process that takes some time. Right. Because you can be saying that message to somebody, you know, we love you, God loves you just the way you are, and we don't have strings attached, we don't have an agenda, we truly love you. And that's a message that can take a long time to ultimately break through because... Um, you can't you can't really force that message onto somebody. Sure, and it, it, well, it took me a good twenty years, I think, to finally hear it. Mm-hmm. And I think what that means is is that you know there's a it. I see it as a as a vine, and not the good vine, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but a, a a weed that grows up through your identity and through your soul, and it begins to distort everything you see. And it truly takes time to clip that away from the truth so that you can actually see it. Do you think it's more difficult for people with same-sex attraction to to heal or to change than those who maybe have a heterosexual addiction? Yes, I think I would say that I do think that. I think it is because of the identity issue. I think because That's the key of, factor because of, of the identity, wonderful. because of who they've seen themselves to be. I think if a person struggles with heterosexual addiction, they can still be a man and be uh, a, a married man and have and, and and be normal, so to speak, on some levels. I think when you have an identity issue of same-sex attraction, 
it's I'm not even normal. I'm not attracted to women. I'm only attracted to men, and I don't know how to change that. And so I either have to consider myself always as weird and out of the norm, or I have to go over to the other side, which is where the gay agenda is, that says we love you just the way you are. That is who you are. Mm-hmm. Your identity is is who you are, and it's also your culture, and it's also who we name you to be, which is not true. Right. And uh, also, I wanted to ask you, what do you think are the most common barriers to freedom from same-sex attraction? What do you think are the, as guys maybe start getting into recovery or or they're just exploring it, maybe they're just trying to find out if there is another way. What are the most common barriers to them actually finding their new identity or, or changing? I think that's where the addictions are pretty similar, if if you ask me. I think the the biggest thing to overcome is if I've used this addiction anytime I was angry, anytime I was lonely, anytime I was upset, then it's hard not to go back to that. And if I and then on top of that I think where some of the differences are, if I have a hard time pressing into other relationships, you know, um most of the time, and I'm not saying all the time, but I'm saying in same-sex attraction, same-sex addiction, most of the sex is anonymous mm. and frequent, and there are no sex, no strings attached. And so it's real easy to get addicted to anonymous, no strings. I don't have to say hello afterwards. I don't have to know your name. I don't mm-hmm. have to be around you later. All I do is I go in, I get my needs met, and I leave. And it's a very selfish attraction. It's a very selfish sin. So it's like I'm done. I don't need anything else from mm-hmm. it. And and there, that is very similar. I mean, uh, even even for you know heterosexual affairs that are going on, uh, typically they're they're very self centered. They're not they're not about developing connected, healthy relationships. They're just about uh, the 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 thrill or the high of the moment. Now, in terms of um, your own life and your own recovery, what are the, um, you know, what ongoing challenges do you face in maintaining purity? I mean, if if you believe that there are some, that it can be a more difficult process for somebody with same-sex attraction to break free, primarily because of the identity issues, the confusion with masculinity and femininity and things like that, uh, what are the ongoing challenges that you face even in your life today to maintaining sexual purity and continuing to move toward uh, walking in your true identity? Well, I think I think that's where, you know, when you have chinks in your armor with regards to your identity, I think for me, there are still times when Satan tries to whisper in, oh, you're not ever really going to measure up to this man over here. And I think that's a trigger for me to say, oh, I'm not going to measure up to this man, but I better go find somebody who I can measure up to Mm -hmm. and find somebody who will help me feel like I measure up. And and so I think what's helped me is to see that trigger and I just speak the truth right back. I am the man that God has made me to be, and thank you, God, for making me the man that I am. I think the identity, uh, especially around my dad, you know, of, of... thinking of times when or occasionally hitting those times as a father myself of trying to make sure that I'm helping my kids to know who they are and remembering, wow, I never got to do this or this wasn't the way I, you know, and and kind of feeling that that frustration and that that sadness at times can lead 
into thoughts of, oh, wow, I'm not ever going to be quite the man because of all this stuff that's happened. And God always can come back and remind me of the truth mm-hmm. there. But I think it's with regards, that's the identity issues. I think with regards to the addiction issue, it's, again, very similar. I think making sure that I keep my eyes pure because, I mean, that is the, the first way, the first step for me is mm-hmm. my eyes. And so making sure that I don't linger uh, on either men or women. Mm-hmm. What ob- what objections do you get maybe either from those who are who are getting into a recovery or those who are looking in on what you're doing as far as your ministry goes? What ob- what objections do you ever get to um, uh, to a life being changed? I mean, because because in our ministry we get a, we get uh, you can call them objections or excuses of why my situation is the worst, why I can't change, why things will never be different. What are what are some that you get from the gay community or from folks who struggle with same-sex attraction in terms of why they can't change? Well, I think because I think the biggest issue is because this is who I am. I mean, this is I've just who believed I am. that for so long. That That's right. And I don't I don't know if that makes it more difficult. I guess if I look at both sides of the coin there, a heterosexual man who struggles with pornography or compulsive masturbation I don't know that they go out in a political arena and say, I am part of the, you know, compulsive masturbation group, you know, <laughs> whereas a gay man or woman says, I am gay mm-hmm. and that's my sexuality, but it's also my my culture, my my label in this society. It's who I consider myself to be. And I don't know that we as a society realize that that they have determined that their sexuality is now their their race, their their mm-hmm. their identity as a as a well, their society, I guess. Right, yeah. and I think that's a hard thing to, to to come up against. Is we're arguing then against who they are as a society. How do you how do you argue? Because you're right, the gay movement is huge. I mean, it's 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 gained this political momentum. What's interesting is I think in in pure numbers wise, it's still a very small percentage, but in terms of influence. In our culture, it's been enormous. How do you argue against those who say that gayness is incurable? Because there's certainly those out there that that are going to oppose your ministry that say, listen, what you're doing is more damaging than if you just leave us alone and let people do their own thing. How do you how do you argue against those who would say that there's that you cannot be changed if you uh, are identifying yourself as gay? Well, I think the biggest argument there is testimony. Mm-hmm. And the other argument there is the love of Christ that provides a new identity. Now, they may not be looking for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we, I think, have to to treat them just like we would treat anyone who doesn't know the true Christ mm-hmm. and help them to see truth there. I, I don't know if that's really answering your question. Yes, I know they're going to argue with us, and I know that they're going to say, "This, you know, I don't have to change. This is who I am." And I guess my answer back to them is, "Come and find out." Mm-hmm. You know, God loves you just the way you are. I'm not judging you for who you are right now. I'm saying that that you had God has a better plan for you. Do you want to see that or not? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that you have to change. But just just look and see. So it doesn't really do, in, in your opinion, you say it doesn't really do any good to get into a big old debate. I don't think so. With folks who would say that because, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably a very wise thing because it's very easy then to just start getting angry and yelling and and then nobody's getting anywhere. 
and and uh, I think of Jesus and how he he would simply state the truth, but it was up to the listener to make any action or make any move on it. Right. And even the fact that when he, uh, I think of the rich young ruler who came to him and was very pompous in his attitude and felt he had it all together and Jesus made one challenge to him and he walked away and Jesus didn't chase him. And uh, that sounds to me like what you're saying is those who might come to you either in an angry or a strong sort of way and say, what you're doing is hurting people. You're, you're, you know, you cannot change once you're gay. You're just saying right where you're at, you're willing, you're, you're, you're able to take a look if you want to take a look at something that's different. Right. I, I, and I do, I have friends who are gay mm-hmm. and, and they're dear friends. Uh, and we do talk occasionally about it. Uh, and they know where I come from and where I stand on it, and I know where they stand on it. Um, all I can hope for is that they see the truth of love of the love of Christ in me. And you know, they've talked about uh, times where they have tried to go to church as a couple, and the church says you're not allowed to come in here as long as you're two men holding hands, mm-hmm. or you're not allowed to come to our church as long as you have the same last name and you say you've been so-called married together. You know, it's it's a, it's a difficult difficult thing because mm-hmm. as a member of the church, I can understand that that is hard for mm-hmm. people to see and to try to understand what to do there, um, but. I also believe that until they're allowed to at least experience Christ in in some way, then he, his light won't ever be shown to them except through people who can maybe catch them other places, I mm-hmm. guess. Well, uh, is there anything else you would like to close out this uh, broadcast with in terms of any of our listeners who might be struggling with same-sex attraction? What would you like to say to them right now if they're listening in? I think it's most important for them to know, and this is something that I learned, is that, that, that they're loved, you know, and, and they can be loved by men who don't struggle with this as well. And that there is no shame. It's not a shameful thing. I mean, sin, I think, in general, does produce shame just because we know that there's something wrong here, but that we're not ashamed of them. Mm-hmm. And that they truly can find hope and healing. Yes, it's a struggle, but it's a struggle well worth fighting. And it's not anything, at least I would want people to know, that Jesus loves the homosexual. Mm-hmm. You know, I see signs sometimes, God hates fags, you know. Mm-hmm. it's That's not true at all. Otherwise, he could hate all of us because Absolutely, sin yeah. is sin. I mean, yes, sin is sin. And I think as long as they understand and if there's any twinge at all or any feeling at all in their spirit that says, this may not be right for me, act on that mm-hmm. and come and find out if that's really true and if that's if God really does have something better for him. Because you know what? He does. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart. Your love has done its part. Let him